Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of Megachine. I am Victor. And I am Nick. And we have a very special guest with us this week. He is the co-host of the podcast, Yesterqueer. Uh, we'd like to welcome to the show, Kaylin Rowland. Conrad, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you were thinking Kelly. I thought you thought Kelly Rowland. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, tomato, tomato. <laughs> so, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, can you tell the folks a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, so it's a queer history podcast. We get, I feel like, most things right. <laughs> so, basically what happens is um, my co-host Anthony and I both research a topic from queer history on our own, and then once a week or twice a week, depending when it's happening. We meet up and tell each other what we found out. And normally, as with most things that are queer, it's either interesting, hilarious, or terrible. <laughs> um, so we try to keep it light most of the times, but you obviously, when you're getting into queer history, we, we can't always guarantee that. Mm, right. Yeah. But we cover topics from like, actual people like we did Matthew Shepard, Billie Holiday, but we also do things like the history of rimming or auto fellatio, uh, <laughs> which animals are gay. Stunning. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, one needs to know that stuff. Yes. I mean, I, re- I was really interested to know which animals I was seeing walking down the street that I could be like, you a gay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, like I said, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Victor, let's catch up. What mm-hmm. have you been up to? Well, um, I have I've been dealing with my envy. I've been talking. I I've been dealing with it just because I have. So, I've noticed a lot of people getting married, and you know, and I'm just like, okay, I'm just noticing it a lot lately, and it makes me, you know, think about like, well, I would like to have some of that, and you know, have that opportunity, or I have people who are not married yet, but they're on their way, and they're getting houses already, in L.A., which I'm like, oh man, so um, just kind of, you know, kind of embracing my envy, understanding where that's coming from. Not trying to be petty, because I know some people who got married, a part of me was like, well, basically he's supporting that other person all the way. Like, you know, stuff like that. And try not to be petty, but a part of me is like being petty. Like, okay, I guess you're going to marry somebody who doesn't have a job. But, you know, but I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time, like, you know what? That's being petty. I need to be happy for their happiness um, and just move on from that. So just dealing with that. And then... um, Telling myself that it is time to get a Kickstarter together for my webcomic. Um, actually, it's I got the video. The video has been the, the last piece. And I've been putting it off and then I decided just to go ahead and just start working on the video. So I've actually been working on iMovie, which is actually easy and fun. Um, so I am going to put it out in the universe. I'm going to have this out by next week. I'm saying it right now, so therefore anybody holds me accountable, they can say, bitch, why you why you said it? Where is it? Because you said it. So I'm just saying. Next week. Oh, that's good. How adept are you with uh, video editing? I'm not good at it at all, but you know, I'm just, it's just, it's just more, it's kind of easy because it's like you put in, like you, you work with pictures, then you work with sound, and that's easy. The sound part is easy because I do that with the podcast. The picture part is kind of neat because you get to, you can you can put like how long you want the picture to work. It's almost like working um PowerPoint. 
and I do PowerPoint a lot for yeah. work. So it's that part. And then you can do your own video when you fake upload to YouTube. <laughs> and so you can just take that video and then kind of throw it in wherever you want to throw it in. The thing is, is trying to, you know, match what you want to talk about to the timing of the videos and the pictures so you don't find yourself like oh I just said all this stuff because you have to put in a sound bite if you're just showing pictures but you got to make sure it all kind of matches how long everything is going so it's a lot of stuff but it's an easy Saturday Sunday afternoon of just putting it together basically if you need any help I like I know uh, After Effects mm -hmm. so if you need anything um, like any like intros or outros or any like logos or anything animated I can do that Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Throwing it out there. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. But this has been like, wow. Part of me is like, it's been taking me this long to do something this easy. Or it's just more of my fears. Like, okay, I just need to do it and quit playing. And just, you know, take it. If I lose, I lose. If I win, I win. You just, you never know. So you have to do it. I feel like taking forever to do something that would take me five minutes is like pretty much my brand. That's right. That's, that's me. me too. That's, that's me and Bill. <laughs> putting it off, and then you finally do it, and you're like, "That that took me 45 minutes, and it's amazing." Right. Yeah, that's how I am with bills, and oh, I don't know about bills, you know. And the art. Let me let me take a moment real quick about the IRS. I need to talk about them oh, for Lord. two seconds. The IRS are are the worst. Okay, so they will take your money from you quick, but if they make a mistake, and need to give your money back. That's a four-month event. So let's just say, maybe not four months, let's just say I have been waiting on my refund since February because of a mistake that they have made. And then when I talked to them last week, they said give them 30 more days. Well, that's your government working for you. And I, this is not a computer managing this thing. Like, does somebody need to, like, move some abacus beads along or something? Like, I don't, I don't know. why it would take that long. I don't know why it takes that long. I have literally, and I even said to the woman, I was like, ma'am, I gave you this information in February the 24th. <laughs> I have the date. <laughs> All you have to do is just say, oh, here's your money. You don't have to. We, they, what happened was they thought I owe money because I changed jobs and I switched over my IRA. So what, they, what happens is once you, you know, your retirement, everything goes to a new account. But they thought that I took that out and kept it for myself. Now, I wish I could have took that out and, kick it and kept it for myself. But I didn't. And so they was like, oh, did you take this for yourself? Because if so, you owe us this amount of money. So I was like, no, I didn't. And here's the form to prove that. And so after giving them that form, mind you, you can't email it. You have to fax this to them. Fax? Yes. And then once you fax it... So is the fax machine also a time machine that can fax into the past when there was fax machines? <laughs> no. no, you have to fax it to them. So you fax it to them. And then within 30 days of that, they have to review it. And then within 30 days, after that 30 days, they'll let you know what happened. Well, they got they just did not get to it. So I went to collections. And I was like, oh, I'm in collections, but you have record that I sent that to you. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Let us look into it a little bit more. It was in, this was in April 13th. Last week, I said, um, so I've been waiting to see, have you figured it out? Because you try to put me in collections, and that's not a great place to be. And it was like, we, oh, you know, let us take you out. We, you're still in there. Let me take you out. I was like... And I said, you know what? And I said, this is a disgrace. Um, I said, can y'all just get a review together? Just 
tell me if you approve the fact that I just showed you what you asked for. And they said, well, give us 30 more days. So. And you know that's 30 business days, not 30 calendar I know. days. And I'm sitting here like, wow, so y'all can't be dependent on for nothing. Y'all. <laughs> I mean, but that's the government for you. It really is. But that's my drama. What's going on with you? Uh, I'll go last. Kaylin, anything new going your way? There's literally never anything new in my life. This is such an embarrassing question because, like, what I, I could tell you about all the new things I have in my house in Minecraft, but... <laughs> oh, my God, Sopsa! <laughs> well, all my sheep are dead, so that's new. Oh, well. That's, that's a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I feel like you guys probably actually leave the house. You probably have something more interesting to say about what's new with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I know I, this past weekend, I was at a big charity event. So um, if you don't know that I'm part of what's called the Imperial Court, well, International Court System, and they have different chapters around. I'm, we've talked about it on the show, I think, yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and each year they have what's called a coronation where they they uh, announced their new monarchs for the their, their year. So the Imperial Court of Kentucky ushered in two new monarchs um, for their year, and that was that was a pretty good event. Um, I'll have more to say about other things that uh, happened, and when we get to um, the king size issue, because there was some big historical. Um, events that occurred for the state of Kentucky in regards to LGBT history. Mm. So let's get into Aunt May's tea, because I feel we have a few to talk about. Mm -hmm. Not The tea is not that hot this week, but no. nevertheless, <laughs> it's still the tea. Yeah, it's still the tea. Well, let's jump on what happened recently. So I woke up to this, and I think a lot of other people did too. Um, Kelly Marie Tran, the actress from um, the latest Star Wars, um, she played Rose. Um, she's an Asian. She's an Asian character in the show, and she was in the movie, and she was really good, really fun. She was avenging her sister basically in this movie. Um, however, we learned today that she has been facing months and months of harassment online. Um, she deleted a lot of her posts, um, I think from Instagram and some from Twitter, um, just from a lot of jerks, just being very racist. And some of the things that were posted was racist, very sexist type of things that were just really hurtful for no apparent reason and blaming her for, they say, the worst Star Wars movie ever and all this and that. And it's very interesting because some of these same people who were attacking her, if you actually... I got a little bored and started looking up who these people were. <laughs> For some that they can show you, they are you know fans of the white men of the movie, of course. Of course. And they're just like saying, well, you know, you you just had to add this Asian woman. Like, who? Like, does that matter? And are there Asians in like in this world? And I was like, are there white people in this world? I was like, if you're gonna play that that route, I mean, we're talking about worlds and planets where mostly aliens are in many different colors so if we want to talk about if they're Asians you can also ask if they're white people but anyway um <laughs> you know they were just being very hateful to her and it was just really sad to see that you know if you've watched her um especially during the time that the movie was out um she 
was very joyful and, you know, even, you know, crying at times. She couldn't believe that she actually had this opportunity to do it. And it was very sweet. And she's a very sweet person. And it just felt like this was very unnecessary, but just, uh, just another example of kind of the, this comics gate, gamer gate type of fools out here who are really afraid of to lose their space in the whole geek in the geek universe so i don't know if y'all saw this but it was just kind of appalling to see that uh it's appalling and not surprising yeah exactly yeah i saw it and it just sometimes fandoms are so like not even worth getting into because of shit like this yeah because a lot of the they give everybody a bad name as far as the other fans and Star Star Wars, um, Steven Universe, Drag Race, me, any video games in general, any kind of fandom that you can think of has these assholes that think it's okay to talk to other people. And, you know, it's always the women or people of color that they talk to yeah. like this. Mm-hmm. Usually women of color. Yeah. Yes, usually women of color, too. And... I hate that she deleted what the majority of her Instagram because yeah. of this. <sighs> yeah, that hopefully, really sucks. Yeah, hopefully she'll be back. Yeah, I I, I mean that you know, and the funny thing is, I want to say to these guys is, it's just gonna, we're just gonna keep growing. There's gonna be more women of color writing, doing comics, drawing, acting in these films gonna be more of us queer folks talking smacking everything that you can think of when it comes to this we are a very strong part of this community you can't get rid of us you don't have to get used to it it is what it is your captain america is gonna have a queer teammate already has a queer teammate the your you know your your han solo is gonna have a person of color who's a hell he had a woman who was supposed to be his wife and she's black. So what you gonna do about that? Y'all gonna have to just get used to it and just deal with it and quit being, uh, I don't even know the point of why y'all even so damn sour. Like, please, this is fantasy, first of all. So it can be any damn thing. You okay with some orange woman, you know, dancing in a bikini for a job of the hut, but yet y'all have a problem with an Asian woman inside of this movie. So I just don't well, know. I just don't know where y'all where y'all coming from. You know like the cantina scene or the canteen scene? Yeah. Uh-huh. Where there's like a million different races of aliens. Mm-hmm. They're okay with like that diversity. Yeah. <laughs> right. But not having, like, an Asian woman. They're like, how can an Asian woman exist in space? Yeah. I'm like, how do you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, we wouldn't. We would probably be dead. So let's just let them deal with it. Uh, it's yeah, I'm convinced that they just don't see diversity in the future. Either we all die off or we get killed off. I guess. But, yeah. but the records show that... No shade, white man, but y'all dying faster than anyone right now. So y'all, <laughs> yeah. So, it's it's true though, and yeah. I don't understand why anyone thinks that 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 this like our previous standards on what um, was inclusion and diversity and was what was representation is somehow we're gonna go back to that. Like we're only getting louder, we're only getting angrier. <laughs> right, right. Come on now, you better get right or get left. 
I know. And the funny thing is, like, again, when you go to Comic-Con and everything, you see it's becoming so much... From when I first went in 2007 to now going in, you know, 2018. Oh, my God. Damn, it's been many years. Um, you just you just kind of realize like it's very diverse. There's more panels about people of color. There's more panels about being queer. It is it, more panels about inclusiveness. So I feel like if they're going to have to just really just suck it up and if this has bothered them so much, they can leave. They ain't got to watch. They ain't even got to be there. That's fine. Go. Just go. Yeah. Do we remember? I, I can't remember the name of the, the character they created, but some some white supremacist or white nationalist created a uh, like a white American female superhero or whatever and they're like you know she's uh she's against diversity and inclusion and they're trying to like prop it up as like the next big thing and it just got completely torn down was it Taylor Swift <laughs> you know what? No, I'm still waiting for the demise. You know what? That is their that's their idol right there. That is their champion. Oh, God. That is their Medusa. So they wonder brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, minus the wonder. Yeah. Right. Just brilliant. Still. Like that no name bread that you get and then you get home and then you realize it's already hard and moldy. Yeah. Right. Like they were having a sale and they were just want, trying to get rid of it. Yeah. And so you were down to your last dollar and you're like, oh, I gotta have something to eat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still not eating her. <laughs> I'll starve before I do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll spit that shit right back out. <laughs> shit. But yeah, y'all do better because yeah. this is sad. This is beyond sad. It really is. Well, on a good note, though, we did get another Luke Cage tra- uh, trailer that gave us. Basically, the Daughters of the Dragon gave us Misty and Colleen in action. So, I was actually impressed. I was like, oh, okay, I feel it, I see it. I It was it was interesting to see Misty without her arm. So, I was like, oh, I wasn't ready for that. I was like, oh, I thought she would have had it at this point. But, uh-huh. but no, that yeah, was neat to see. I, I like that. I'm coming in with no comic knowledge. Um, but I've watched all of the... The Netflix Marvel series, mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, and I don't normally spoiler myself. Like I haven't watched a trailer for literally anything in probably like fifteen years, but I watched this for mm-hmm. you, <laughs> and now I'm so hyped. But it's not out. <laughs> and yeah, I remembered why I don't want to watch them. <laughs> when is it supposed to come out? Like soon? Yeah, it's like late June. It's late June. Okay. Oh yes, it's coming out Pride weekend. Oh, it's yeah. coming out the the Friday of Pride, so I canceled one of my plans. I, well, <laughs> you know, that's probably for the best. To be no, honest. I just I have I have to binge it. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no right. option for me. Yeah. But uh, who is this guy? Wishmaster. Bushmaster. Bushmaster. Uh, actually terrifying, and I had to cover my face because I was so scared that uh, basically anytime I see my big strong people getting pounded i get very very nervous like i don't know if you both of you watched buffy but there's one episode where giles took her powers away yeah and that entire episode like i had to like cover my eyes i was so scared yeah it was what her 18th birthday it was like a she had to prove herself yeah it was her rite of passage yeah oh buffy 
whenever I see anyone that I'm just like, oh, they're super strong, they're like invulnerable or they're invincible, like I feel so safe and comfortable mm -hmm. watching the show, but then seeing them get their ass kicked, it, like I start to get really worried for them. Right. Yeah. On the side buff, you know, I felt that way in the first episode of the fourth season. So she, when she was, when she got kind of used up by that guy and then that vampire like just beat her and broke oh her arm. Oh my God, yeah. I was like, how? I was like, I'm not ready for this. I, mean, I was like, I'm not Her ready. Her first day of college. Yeah, first day of college. But yeah. And with... that ugly fucking white girl was kicking her ass. <laughs> yeah, with the twisties in her hair. But, <laughs> but um, jumping back with Misty and, and Colleen, you know, I hope we get plenty of scenes of them in this. And I also hope that if, if they're popular enough, maybe a Daughters of a Dragon movie. Now I could, we don't need, I... I'm, I may get hit for this, but I don't think I, we need a series. Just give us a you know a, a a Netflix movie of them doing some adventures. They have great adventures if y'all want to read the comics about them. But um, you know I will be open to a movie. I'm I'm not sure about another series. I feel like that I kind of want to limit more Marvel series until we get to a different universe. But uh, I wouldn't mind like a mini series, like a three like three hour and a half episodes or something i can do three. <laughs> three i almost said four and i was like yeah no too much yeah. <laughs> like i don't have the attention span to have like 19 marvel shows yeah uh plus i am watching like two or three dc shows so all of this together like i'm running out of time to actually do anything productive with my life yeah exactly there i just now finished the first season of daredevil so i'm <laughs> way behind lord oh shit like yeah i'm <laughs> child, I'm. i just now started the uh golden girls for the first time so and give me some time to catch up yeah yep. i can't wait till the golden girls are brought into the mcu <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that that would be great. I'll kick everybody's ass. Yeah, Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> um, just in quick news, um, we just now got the word that there will be a Joker movie. Yes, uh, that, that is now it is now trending. And is that uh, something people want? No, it's not. <laughs> you know, that's the question that should be asked. If that's something everybody <laughs> wants, my gosh. But true, um, Jared Leto will be starring and producing this this Joker solo film. Now, I feel like what's been cracking me up is I, DC, they should have been at this retreat where you know they sat down and you know after looking at Black Panther and uh, Infinity War, just seeing the billions of dollars they just you know they just been reigned with, should have just thought like, okay, now what do we do next? This should not have been an answer, but, <laughs> you know, right now we don't have a lot about the plot details or anything else, but, um, yes, he um, is going to be producing this, working with Todd Phillips on this film, apparently, um, and they're going to do this, and this is going to be within, I guess, side by side with Birds of Prey. Uh, I don't, I still don't know why we would get a Joker movie, I feel like. He wasn't, the, the thing with me is, about him, is he wasn't the popular part of Suicide Squad. You know, it's usually there's a popular character, whatever, that comes from a movie where you was like, oh, let's do a spinoff. That was probably Amanda Waller, if anything. But Joker was the least, not really, people wasn't really like, ooh, I gotta see more. They were like, mm, you could have kept that. So I, 
really hope they sit down and think a little bit more about this. I mean, he can produce and he can be talking about it, but you know, Jared, I, I, I don't know about this. Now he was giving just... another property to a straight white man. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a good point. Now he was the same one that was pulling all these stunts and gags during the production of Suicide Squad. Like, Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, girl. And plus, he wasn't even that good. No. He was like this Freddie Mercury-ass joker <laughs> that I didn't even really... It was a... They made it seem like he had this whole big role in the movie. But he was in the movie maybe like 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, girl, if you don't get the hell on somewhere. Yeah, it wasn't even... As I was saying before, it wasn't even that deep. He wasn't really a character that we were all looking forward to and I just feel like that this is not the right direction to go with and that's why I'm hoping that maybe you know they I don't know I, I'm just gonna wait to Wonder Woman uh, 84 it seems like that's gonna be the title too Wonder Woman 84 but um well, I'll just wait to that because there ain't nothing else y'all they got coming out that I'm Aquaman oh, but that's more of a that's a thirst watch this, so, to be completely honest, yeah, to be, yeah, that's a thirst watch. I'm going for Jason because you know I have to support my bay and have to be there because I don't want him to feel you know uh, alone if something goes wrong. But <laughs> I, if you don't get the fuck out, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I've already made a deal with Lisa. We've already had this conversation, so uh, I'm just gonna sit up. I'll okay. go. I'll go for that. But I this Joker movie, I'm. I guess I need more details, but I'm just not feeling this news. I feel like I've never been less interested. Like, <laughs> I personally have never been a fan of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire, like, franchise, any of the characters from it, really, other than Catwoman. Um, yeah. So, the Joker really is not something that's ever been on my radar and will continue to never be on my radar. Yeah. And I'm more apt to give another run of Catwoman than I am anything of Joker. Like, Oh, yeah. And after the picture Halle just gave us for the new John Wick, I'm like, you know, y'all can probably... I wouldn't mind if she even got another chance to throw. <laughs> like, I'm at that point. <laughs> I would I always let her try again. <laughs> I see that wig budget uh, for John Wick 3 is... Uh, I want y'all to leave Halle... We need to do a collect. We need to do a comment, like uh, an episode about Hallie's wigs and these movies and what they really said. Because do we though? We like a, <laughs> not like a whole episode. Maybe like about a good five minutes about these wigs. And in fact, I might have to go pull up the, all these wigs and look at them. <laughs> yeah, because some of them was just tragic. It it was like one of those long old wigs that your <laughs> grandmama used to wear. That's like. She's got to the side, and she never combs it out. She's like, this is my good wig, girl. Yeah, she has the Frankie Alice wig, the Storm wigs, the the You Stole My Kids wigs. Um, a Losing Isaiah wig. Yeah, yeah was, and then the wig where she was like the, the 911 caller wig, you know. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, my God. One. Kidnapped? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm oh, no, there was, there was Kidnapped, wig. and there was another one, but both of them, she was trying to save somebody that had been kidnapped, which is the only Halle Berry movies that I watch now. <laughs> like, Someone's been kidnapped like, in all of her movies. <laughs> like, put some 
uh, bells on your kids or something. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but moving on, we have a couple of some more trailers to get through. So, uh, what do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about widows? Or I'll take a business card. Yeah, I'll take a business card. Let's see. So, Widows came out, and Widows is based on a 1980s British uh, TV series. And it's about a group of women whose husbands were into organized crime that actually got killed. And so, they're tasked with um, fighting off other bosses and the police. And a lot of people are in this. They have Liam Nielsen. Viola Davis. I don't know why Michelle Rodriguez is in it. Um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya. So, uh, what did you all think of the trailer? Uh, well, the second I saw Viola Davis, I was obviously in. Um, and I love seeing her with short hair. I do too. Yeah. But uh, also, Garrett Dillahunt from Sarah Connor Chronicles was always my robot daddy, so I'm excited for that. I don't know what part he's playing, but I saw him on the IMDb. <laughs> I think it's going to be really good. They can go ahead and give her her um, Academy Award, because I know she's going to have one of these soliloquies oh, when she's wait. crying and, you know, the snot is coming out her nose. Oh, I'm like, just, just go ahead and give it to her. Do not do that. <laughs> like, they could just give it to her now. I mean, why wait? Ahead of everything. <laughs> why wait? And that's set to premiere November 16th. Yeah. I believe this year. Oh, it's so far. It'll be here before we know it. That's fair. I'll probably <laughs> be stoned until then anyway. I mean, that's a good state to be in. <laughs> so the other one... Now, I'm not too familiar with this because I know it was a remake. Uh, is Suspiria? Yes. So Suspiria was originally produced by Dario Argento in 1977, and it was an Italian film. Mm-hmm. And it was a part of a trilogy, trilogy which mm-hmm. included Inferno and The Mother of Tears. Yes. And... This looks... Um, interesting? The trailer reminded me of an American Horror Story intro. Yeah. Yes. What I I would say is, if you want to, you can look at the old trailer. The old trailer is, there's a few trailers for the original. And it's kind of weird, but they're kind of fun. Um, The movie is very art. It's a very, it's an art film. It's colorful, beautiful sets, everything. And it's basically about, you know, there are witches running a dance school. (laughs) Um, but um, the original is really cool. The music is from Goblin. It's really cool as well. This tra- this little teaser gave me... I was excited. I, I, oh, yeah. I like that. Because it was like, you're not giving me too much. You're giving me all these these things to think about what's really happening while she's climbing the wall. What is that? You know, like, what is this? So, you get, so yeah, I was, I was excited for it. It reminded me of if uh, Brian De Palma did a horror film like in that kind of vein mm-hmm. it was very up his alley like uh a la dress to kill or yeah. you know something like that yeah. yeah yeah but it's 
it looks weird. But and, I guess it, yeah. I'll say if y'all get a chance to get weird, the. But I'm in on that. Yeah, yeah, watch the original if you get a chance. Yeah. Now, is it in Italian? No. Okay. Okay, then maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm not reading subtitles during a horror movie. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. It's a. Um, again, it's an American girl goes to this dance school overseas, and that's when she discovers all this weirdness. Um, the death scenes are, are very graphic. Like it's you have to. I've seen it many times, and my friend, one of my good friends, uh, he kind of did like a, on the the latest, I think the Blu-ray version of the movie, he did a commentary about it, and I was like, oh, look at you, so, uh, yeah, so I will say, you know, get a chance to check it out, it's, it's not like, you know, it's funny because some of it, once you see Suspiria, you can see some of it was used, some of the ideal was used in Coven, some. So I would say to get oh, a chance. Oh, then yes, I'm very much in. Also, is that Tilda Swinton? Yes. She is so terrifying. No matter what she does, they should just put her in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see her, I'm terrified. Like just, just, just go, just go right there. The sale's open. We got like a nice Martha cell set up for you. Right. <laughs> With a uh, Egyptian cotton yeah. bed sheets and whatnot, and mineral oh, yeah. well, water. She's not there to punish. To be punished, I just can't look at her anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she she does have a distinct look to her. Yeah, she looks like that. a mad bird. Yeah, I like. She's also like incredibly stunning, yeah. but like <laughs> like in a ice queen sort of way. Oh, there we go. I yeah. think I've traced my fear of her. <laughs> Yeah. That's why I think that she uh, she does eye fashion so good because she has that peculiar look to her. Yeah, she's very sharp. Yes. Yeah. So moving on, I think this is our last topic. Mm-hmm. Um, Pose. Yes. Premiered this past weekend, and did you all see it? What were your thoughts? I did. I'm not watching it till tomorrow. Oh, I won't spoil it, but I did watch it. I watched it twice. I enjoyed it for what it was. It's a a classic story, but it was a fun story. Um, It was uh, enduring for what they want to do. And I realized that I was feeling really good to know that, you know, Ryan Murphy, is. I think he's producing this, but, you know, you have other writers involved like Janet Mock and some other people who are you know was able to give us the characters and and the words and everything that we need to to make this you know something that you can really get into it and and we actually um slightly live tweeted um that and it was a great show we had um responses from the the actors themselves from the show like some of our tweets and things so that was kind of neat to see, um, but it's a promising show, and I will be watching it. I, I recommend people to, um, to to check in, and it's nice because you have Viceland has my house, which is more of an updated version of what's going on in the ball scene. But then you have Pose, which is kind of a nice follow up from Paris is Burning. Right. I very much enjoyed the uh, pilot. I don't see why Evan Peters is in this for some reason. I'm <laughs> like, um, we could use you. We don't need you, baby. Um, 
house. I liked how they, um, in the previews for the season, they're going to do tackle the HIV AIDS crisis mm-hmm. because I think that needs to be a, that needs to be shown because I don't think we've seen that type of storytelling about it from a queer people of color lens. Yeah. In a very long I don't, time. I don't think I, I've I don't ever think seen ever anything yeah. um, that was, that would be about queer people of color during the AIDS crisis, but also from the perspective of and written by queer people of color. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Dominique Jackson, the one who plays the mother in the House of Abundance, mm-hmm. she reminds me of a Banji Diane Carroll. Yeah. <laughs> and she, oh, she is just gorgeous. Yeah. I think everybody on that show is gorgeous. Yeah. And they have actual trans women playing these characters. So mm-hmm. it's like, finally, you don't have these cis gay men in these roles. You have actual transgender women. Yeah. So I'm excited. I was really worried about that. Yeah. I, was I was thinking too. about it when I saw it was coming out and I was like, they like not even cis gay men, like sometimes they're cis straight men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like your experience is so far removed from this and <clears throat> you're taking a job, an acting job from somebody who would very rarely be cast in any cis women roles. So like to actually have like a real trans woman playing a real trans woman is so necessary. Right. I mean, when has that happened? in recent years all i can think of is orange is the new black that's That's true yeah that's it that's all i can actually that i've seen personally yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm definitely down for pose and i like how they explained mopping yeah um and I don't know if they're able to, but I know that they only alluded to one of the original houses, uh, Pendavis. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they are able to use actual houses like uh, House of Ninja, uh, Extravaganza, Saint Laurent. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if they're able to use those names, but just a little history lesson for you kids. Yeah. I probably don't mind if they don't. You know, because again, it's kind of like this is right, it, it is the story, but yeah, it, this is like the continue. You could say a continuation, there could have been other houses that we didn't even know about or whatever. But you know, I don't mind them not using them, but if they do bring them in, that's totally fine, right? And I know, um, what's her name, Leomi Maldonado, mm-hmm. she's a uh, a voguing legend and the New York ball scene, and mm-hmm. she was on um, America's Best Dance Crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gosh, it was like maybe season four, yeah. season three or four, with her crew of Vogue Evolution. I know she helped with choreography, so it's authentic in that regard. Yeah. Um, are, are any of these characters uh, based on actual people that you know of, or is this almost completely fictional? It's almost completely fictional. I think some pieces, again, this is the pilot, so we don't know what they will be. Yeah pulling from um like you get an idea that billy porter's character is almost like a paris to pre um uh-huh. but 
I don't know. But, it, you know, again, if they decide to go with completely different people, that's fine. I think that might be good to do that because you will actually, you could be invested with new people versus trying to hold on to what we used, what we've always known for Paris is Burning. This can be like a new group of people, that a new legend to start, you know, because this could be, you know, what you put on the shelf next to Paris is Burning and my house is Pose. Yeah, I think it would be really good to start like a whole new universe because mm-hmm. this can go, I like, I believe that it can go really far. Yeah. And, even, and you don't want to be like, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself, right? True. Into yeah. focusing on people that have already existed. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, and then the, also, if you look at my house, this these are different houses too. I don't think they have any of the houses from the past. These are like Mizrahi, not, not Mizrahi, but you know, like they like different types of places like Blonic and all these things that came up later in the game so Uh you know a lot of these people and you know you know i'm kind of mad that we don't have a major house of i've always said like it'd be nice if we had houses of black designers even though it's not a lot of black designers but you know if they use black designers so hell like i I remember in buffalo there was a house of house of aurora or because they were based from storm and i was like i'll see what y'all doing but I like that because I was like, okay. And they was somebody said, well, I, I just thought the name was cute. I saw it somewhere. And then someone said, bitch, you got that from, <laughs> from the X-Men. And they was like, oh, I did. <laughs> and so I was like, no, that's good. That should be because, you know, we, we Storm is a gay icon to a lot of us. So, you know, sure. But, I, I you know, I'm glad that this this um, pilot had a good beginning, a good start, had people talking about it. It, it, it put me in my feelings a few times. There were some good scenes in there, you know, about, you know, having a family and who's your mother and you know looking out for you when things you know go totally having wrong. a family to song yeah. yeah so that was some good parts in it. it was a very strong very strong pilot yeah i just don't want to see evan peters white ass down at the ball <laughs> he ain't gonna be like, doing nothing i think he's like, gonna be representing that world because you know it's, i think he represents the world that they want but it's gonna show the ugly side of what that world is at the same time definitely is Evan Peters playing a queer person? Mm, no, he's playing like a. They work at Trump. Okay. They work for Trump, I think, and they. He's like a man who's like, you know, he's stressed out, so he goes looking for a prostitute, and that's how he gets in the picture. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was really worried that he was like playing a, like being pushed to the front as like the star oh no 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 no. i thought so too i was very nervous when uh casting was announced yeah well because i looked at the imdb and the first name was him and i was like excuse me and i was like where's ryan murphy's name i know he's involved here somewhere (laughs) (laughs) it's the only way this kid gets work right Yeah, and James Vanderbeek is in this. Yeah, he's Ew. he's a boss, but it makes sense. It would have made more sense if they hired um, Paul Mark Paul Glossner because I was like that would have made sense. If you look at the eighties and that big phone, and I'm like that would have been funny if they had him in that role because they'd be like, ah, oh, got you know. But uh, either one, it's it's all good. It's all good with how they got it done. So okay, I'm I'm looking forward yeah. for my episodes. Yeah, just don't piss me off. Ryan Murphy. <laughs> so you will hear from me. Now, uh, do we have anything else as far as Aunt Mace T? No, I think I know there we're... wasn't an episode of Drag Race, thank God. Yeah, gonna... yeah, and I think we're good. I think my 
my staff is done bothering me, so I think we can be, <laughs> we can so I go on. I think we're done. Okay. Well, let's take a break, clean up these teacups, and let's come back for our king size issue. All right. And welcome back to the show. We hope you're enjoying this all new episode. And we're hanging out with the co host of Yester Queer, Kaylin Conrad. I'm not going to miss it up at this time. <laughs> so, what was it originally? I said Roland or something. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> don't give me the light up on this. So, <laughs> we're going to get into our king size issue and we're going to talk about queer, queer history. So, because it is. June, which is Pride Month, queer history is something that I would say we need to discuss on a yearly basis, not just because it's obviously Pride Month, but because we need to refresh ourselves of our great history, what we can learn from that, and what we can do to move forward. So... Kaylin, I'm going to start with you. So your podcast discusses queer history. Why do you think it's important for queer history to be revisited? I mean, the same. I think it's the same reason uh, why most people would say any history does is that it needs, one, not to be repeated for a lot of it. Um, but I think one of the main reasons is we have no connection as queer people. Um, like, depending on... So a lot of people are born into a religion. Everyone in their family is that religion. They learn about it. They create connections. They have like that culture in and out of their everyday lives. And they have like such a strong connection to it. But queer people are like mutants where you can be born to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) And we pop up wherever. Same with trans people, like non-binary people, like all of us, we, we show up in a family of people that almost always is not like us. So our history needs to be taught because we're not going to learn it at home. We don't have that privilege that a lot of other people do. And like, obviously there are non-queer people that don't have this privilege, like especially people that um, are adopted out who are people of color being raised by like white families or people with disabilities who are born to people that are completely abled. Um, but I think queer and trans people, it's, it's a very big thing for us to have some understanding of the queer and trans people that came before us, even like to get it, gain us our rights during the AIDS crisis or, uh, activists that are working now, but like, also there's like queer Kings and Jesus was the best man at a gay wedding. Like there's some actually really <laughs> surprising and ridiculous things that happen that are just so queer in the way that we think of it now like kick-ass and random and amazing (laughs) exactly yes um victor (laughs) yes so victor what do you think as far as what is important why do you think it's important for queers to be revisited especially in these times i think it's important for us to really know what our history is i think we need to know something that i will always use um, James Evans said this on Good Times that, you know, I need to know where I've been in order to know where I'm going or how do I... Know? So it was more something in that term. And I feel like that that's what we need to know. We need to know the steps we made to get where we are, the things we went through in order to be seen, the 
the the risk and and the lives that were lost in order to be seen. You know, you think about people who were killed and murdered. You think about the stories, like the Mississippi story, if y'all remember that, how the people were, you know, they were having a good time. They had their own little club, a bar, and they were trapped there and then burned down, burned in there. You know, they someone set it on fire. You know, you think about all these things. It's important for it's important for us to know our history. We need to know this in order for us to be strong about moving forward. I think when we don't know where we come from and how we did things and how we triumphed, we are not prepared to move forward in a very constructive way. So that's why I think it's very important to really um, focus on our history and how we can be better and how we can do more. And I think as being a a black person, I feel like we have to know about black history. We need to know about queer history. And that's sometimes that's why I always think it's funny because I always hear white people talk about they don't need to know about queer history. I'm like, of course, because you don't really you don't have a history. You know, like you don't have a history. Your culture is whatever it is. But I think as a person of color, because we do have a, a history and a culture and a, and, you know, a background we, we we seem to want to know more about other things about when it comes to our our, our complete parts of ourselves. So I, I think it's important and I think we do need to have this and we need to always cherish it for what, because think about it, if we don't really understand it, we'll be in a situation like the Stonewall situation, that movie, where someone tries to remake it in their image. If we did not know our history, we would not be able to really confront him on that that rolling guy. And so that's why I just feel like that we need to always know where we come from. Um, the fact that we need to always know what pride stands for and how that really got started. It's not just having a bunch of Coco boys on the float. It was people losing their lives. So, yes. <laughs> I've, see, I've really seen, a, um, and I've been really happy about it, like a resurgence of what pride means yeah. and how pride started. Like, a, like very specifically this year, mm-hmm. I've seen so much um a a, a huge sway especially on the issue of cops at pride i've seen a lot more people coming to the side of they have no place there in uniform marching things like um making sure that pride is actually inclusive and not just about partying like i've seen uh especially one amazing post uh that I, i tweeted about someone tweeted that uh or it was a tumblr post that Every year on Pride, um, we should make Pride bricks mm-hmm. uh, in like remembrance of throwing the first brick at Stonewall. Yeah, and they're like, just decorate them like Easter eggs. We can make them. It can be like a yearly thing. And honestly, I'm so here for that. Yeah, like that is the kind of Pride celebration that I'm into much more than getting drunk in a beer garden, which I mean has its place too. We have a lot <laughs> right. of steam to yeah. blow off as a community mm-hmm. after a year of it being straight pride. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I know um, here for when we had the coronation this weekend, there was a a person, uh, a guy from uh, the Imperial Court of New York, and he worked at Stonewall, and he was there when Stonewall popped off when those riots went down. Yeah. And so it's to have somebody with that kind of knowledge... And he still works at the Stonewall Bar. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Like to have that guy, uh, his name is, we call him Tree. That's his, his Emperor Tree. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. To have somebody with that kind of knowledge and to see him, he's basically, he's seen history that means so much to so many people. Because if that didn't happen, then we might not be as out or even doing this podcast. Yeah. Well, also, um, something that um, I once read Morgan Page talking about that I hadn't really thought about before was that almost all of our elders who could have given us this history died. And they didn't die after like a long life and they were able to write their memoirs and you know, get them published because times had changed. They died sick and alone with no support from the government. Mm -hmm. And with them, all of their stories, their struggles, our history died with them. And when you talk about erasure, like that was literal erasure. They let us die. They watched us die because they thought it couldn't affect them. And with them, all of that information, all of those amazing stories were gone with them yeah that's true yeah that it, it feels like it was so calculated and of course on purpose how the government reacted when the aids crisis began yeah oh they knew what they were doing they called it grids yeah. mm-hmm like they weren't even pretending like they can paint a different picture of it now, but they were literally like, that's a disease you get for being gay and it kills you. And that's God's way. There's nothing we can do about it. And why would we? Because we're not gay. Yeah. And, and that's why like, we... I can't, I can't get the gay disease. Yeah. <laughs> and this is why we need to know. We need to know this. We need to know this history. We, we, because we didn't, we need to look back and remember that they were letting us die. They were literally letting us die. The Nancy Reagan I mean, situation, in, the way in that Toronto, they're doing that right now. So, oh my goodness. So yeah, you you think about our history. It has to be told, and it has to be something that we're like, okay, we we do need to think about this because this can happen again. I mean, we have a crazy ass president right now who, lo and behold, may not we may not have to deal with much longer, but still, it's just enough to be like. Uh, you know, we need to know this. We need to be prepared for what's coming next. Because we've already heard, um, you know, some of these religious leaders saying that we're not that far away from getting the Supreme Court people we need to bring back, you know, DOMA and all that crap. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know if, like, I obviously I'm, get, I'm forced to pay attention to American politics. Yeah. Um, because almost all of the Twitter feeds and the retweets and the stories and moments and everything that I see are uh, American centric. Um, But I don't know. I don't know if I made it down there to you guys, uh, but last, last year. Mm. What happened? What do you mean? It was last year, the year before when black lives matter um, stopped our pride parade. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. It it did make it down here. Okay. Yeah, I figured there'd be a lot of right-wing people talking about it and how... Uh, so, like, there's we have the Toronto Sun. I'm assuming all suns across the world as newspapers are just filth. Um, <laughs> and they're all owned by, like, some big sun corporation. But we had them who put out uh, headlines like, um, Black terrorist group stops pride parade. 
things like that. Whereas like we had other media being like, okay, finally the cops aren't coming to pride. Um, but people were very, very up in arms about that. And by people, I mostly mean cis white gay men. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They were like, the cops are on our side. The cops have always been on our side and the cops should be able to come to pride. And I'm like, but they haven't always been on our side and they haven't always been on your side either. And they're not now. And they were like, okay, well, you're just stirring the pot. You're, you know, you're painting all cops with the same brush. Isn't that what you say they do to black people? And I'm like, okay, well, that's not a comparison that works yeah. at all. <laughs> so that's not, you choose to be a cop. You don't choose to be oppressed. <laughs> like that's not. And I uh, feel like a lot of gay white men have this fascination with a cop because they see the uniform and they have uh, like it's ma- it's the whole masculine with them. So my house, we do not sexualize state-sanctioned violence, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> like get get in where you live, whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of it's that but, whole hyper-masculine fantasy. Yeah, it is very much so. But they've changed their mind in Toronto now that they realize. So I'm assuming the serial killer made its way down to you guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so far. Most of the people that were vocal, and by, okay, so cis white gays, we'll just call them what they is, <laughs> um, that were vocal against Black Lives Matter's tactics are now 100% on the side of cops shouldn't be at pride, they're letting us die, because the police like went out of their way pretty much not to investigate all these disappearances. Mm-hmm. It was a serial killer who they now think has been murdering for the past 30 years. Jesus and Christ. they found eight bodies so far, cut up into pieces, scattered around the city in planters because he was a landscaper. Like it was, and they stood there. I was at the town hall meeting where they told us that we were overreacting. There was no serial killer. And all the older people were like, we've heard you say these things before, but the younger people were like, mm, no, well, we should just believe them. But it's like, this is why you need to know your history. You need to know that they, we're not saying the cops have suddenly turned against us. We're saying they've never been with us. And marching in a parade is an act. It's virtue signaling. It's the only way, it's the only thing they ever did for the community. Mm -hmm. And really, they just took our money that could have gone to a different float. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Like that could have been like a group of like trans women of color instead of like a bunch of white men literally with guns yeah like nobody yeah so anyways i've seen a shift which i'm really happy about because it gives me some hope that people are waking up and i understand it took some cis white gay going missing and the police not doing anything about it for them to understand but like at least at this point their eyes are more open and they're more willing to see all the other times that it happened to Mm -hmm. people that weren't like them and didn't have their privilege yeah So, adding on to that, we ha- we we see this um, this renaissance, if you will, of uh, Q- queer uh, people of color representation. Like you see it in Pose, we saw it a lot in a drag race. Uh, even though there's only one queen left um, <laughs> as black, um, do you all think that this is 
something that is going to be built on throughout the year or is it just one of those things that is hot now but come a few months then it's going to get back to all white you know i think i think that we are in a a place where we are seeing we're seeing movement um i think back and I'm not plugging myself, so please, I'm I'm not really not. But I'm thinking <laughs> of when, when we when I, when I did um, gay media is so white. When I did that, and slowly seeing how uh, like, some blogs, some magazines begin to like, okay, well, that's probably we do like hot guy of the day. You know, he's Asian, he's black, he's, you know, Brazilian, he's. Native American, like they, it, I saw a, a small beginning shift, and I also see that people will start talking about things more, and even magazines being held accountable. Like you know, I think about Attitude is one of the ones I always see oh God, in the yeah. midst of foolishness. <laughs> but I like the fact that you see people now holding more accountable. I think as we do move forward, if people want to survive, you know, these businesses want to survive, they will have to start embracing more diverse, more inclusive things in their publications, everything that they do, because Twitter is a curse and a blessing, but at the same time, it it, it does move something. So I feel like we will see more because you will realize that, you know, there are more, you think about it with shows like, I'll give Drag Race that, but I also will say like, you got Pose and you got My House with that popularity growing, it's going to get to a point, you know how things go, if it works, everybody else wants to do their version, because a part of me is going to laugh when the logo's like, oh, we need to do something, like, well, bitch, y'all could have been doing something 10 years ago, when y'all began. Um, Wait, did they, did logo have Noah's Ark? They did, but it's the way they treated Noah's Ark, but that's a whole different, yeah, of course. That's a whole other story, but at the same time, you know, it's like, you will see more things to come. And I feel like this is the movement we're going to. You think about um, the, the the kids today, the children, the legendary children that are coming. They're very diverse. They're more inclusive. They're more things. They're not just gay. They're bi. They're other things. They're asexual. They are polyamorous. They all these things. And so um, pansexual. They all these things that are coming. So I feel like there's more as we are growing and more people are coming more aware of themselves. More people of color are becoming free and able to express themselves. You're going to see a shift because it has to or it's, nothing will survive it. Well, I think they finally realized that they can actually make money. Like, I think Black Panther proved that. Yeah. Like, it's always been everything about queer culture has either been drag queens or more likely cis white attractive gay men played by straight people um and that's been all the representation that there has been but now that they know they might actually be able to make some money i think they're going to be willing to take more what they would see as risks um which is the the reason why i get so adamant about people supporting queer artists is because if we don't they're not going to start giving them uh, like gigs or albums or shows. Like if we're not putting our money behind it, they're not going to make it. And and you're right because I just, and I tweeted this today. Like I, I'm always fascinated and this is mostly 
there's mostly white, like white gays, and then some misguided gays of color, um, who would really be pushing like the Shawn Mendes, like the Shawn Mendes and the Nick Jonas's, and they would really be pushing their music and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, but we have queer artists. We have yeah. a whole bunch of them that we don't, I don't, if you would do like a tweet search, like they're not talked about as much as you would talk about Ariana Grande, which, you know, they love yeah. her. And that's fair. We all have, we all have our divas that we right. love. I, I just find her <laughs> mediocre, but you know, but, um, it's okay, fun. now I'd honestly rather hear about the Joker. Like, <laughs> but no, it's just interesting how, you know, like, oh my gosh, Sean Mendez, he, like today he did an interview where he's talking about, you know, being supportive of the gay community. And now people are saying he almost came out. And I'm like, why are y'all so fixated on this boy? And I know why he's white, pretty, and y'all, y'all lose your minds when it's like that. But we, again, we have so many queer artists that we're not supporting. You know, I think about Adam Lambert. I mean, you know, like him or not like him, he was a gay artist, and I didn't feel like he got the support he needed to be successful. But let it be Nick Jonas. Y'all willing to put him on stage to talk about gay issues. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, y'all going to put him no, up you're, there. You're 100% right. Yeah. I know that, um, fuck, what's this kid's name? Sam Smith. I know that he's problematic. I've heard some, like, fucked up things from him yeah he was the first that, yeah. everybody hated him before any of that came out yeah like the second use basically the second there's an artist who's queer i feel like queer people are automatically distancing dis, uh, distancing themselves from them yeah. um especially if they're not what a lot of people would think of as like stereotypically attractive mm-hmm. um which just really like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy an album from somebody just because they're queer. Like if they suck, they suck. Like yeah. that's fine. If their music's not for me, then that's cool. But I'm also not gonna try and tear them down either. Yeah. And yeah, right. I mean I'm not a fan of Sam Smith's music. I think he's a little bit whiny, but I also feel like that he is a gay artist and we should support him. Um, it's interesting because I think about the 80s again thinking about our history you think about some of the ones who were coming who were closeted but coming up but they took those risks you know Boy George took a lot of risk and you know if you look back at his story and what he the off and on relationship he had with one of the band members how that was kind of sad and you know you look at those things that were happening Marilyn um, the guy from from Dead or Alive, um, who died penniless. You know, you think about those particular people in the industry and the support they didn't, they got, but not got, you know, at the same time. Yeah. It's a a cycle that could happen again. And I feel like we have to start supporting our queer artists and giving, you know, listening to them and hype them up, you know, when they have a cover or whatever. I mean, yeah, I understand y'all think, again, y'all think some of these people are hot, but just because you don't think, Mikey's hot, or you don't think some of the other people who are coming out are hot? Okay, but if they got good music, um, listen to them. Like Be Slade and all the rest of them, they are giving you so much good stuff, and yet we're just still caught up in these mediocre white artists that you perceive to be gay, or they trick you or queer bait you. So because oh, we're yeah, not, that's the thing that gets me every yeah. single time. They're so like. A... I'm sure you've seen my angry Twitter rants about it that cost me like 40 followers every time. But Uh these straight white women who I'm told are like queen of the gays, a gay icon. And I'm like, what'd she do? (laughs) Like, 
What did she do other than being like a white woman who appropriates black culture? Like I don't. <laughs> or just I don't understand what. Yeah. What her, the big draw is, or sure, like her, but don't say that she's queen of the gay. She's a gay icon because yeah. just because she has a ponytail that she can flip around and she's super skinny and traditionally attractive. Yeah. That's not. That's not what the queen of me is going to be. Yeah, and and, and and my only disagreement with you is like I will give Madonna her flowers in the sense of some of the things. That oh she's yeah, done. yeah. But yeah. Okay, but, so I'll be more specific. Yeah. Recent people like Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that little one. Um, the little one. You talked about her on a, on a recent episode, Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, did you just say she was queen of the gays? Like, are you joking? She's not an icon to anyone. Like, there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, yeah, she's a, she has a solid following that will push her up there. And it's funny. I mean, we're kind of sidetracked a little bit, but I, I, you know, I listened to her and I was like, I'm not, I said, I guess it's their version of Kathy Dennis, you know, (laughs) for them, but. I was like, this is their Kathy Dennis, I guess. But, you know, like, or for example, I get Kylie Minogue. I get that, you know, she's been in the business for a long time, but she's also been supportive of the gay community in so many different ways and charities and things. And I get why people like her. But again, going back to our history, we have to be able to look at the the people who, the artists who did have done things and risked a lot, their careers in doing those things back then to to where we have the artists that we do things now. So yeah, we need to look back at Boy George, look at Marilyn, we need to look back at Sylvester, we need to look back at um, Carl Bean, we need to look back at so many of these artists. Carl Bean did Born This Way, personally the better version of Born This Way, because yeah. it actually talk about, I'm, I'm the, he says, I'm happy, carefree, and I'm gay, I was born this way. That was better than Lady Gaga's version. When I heard Gaga's version, I was like, girl, you could have kept that. Because I got Carl Bean telling me, you know, <laughs> gave, it made me, like, I, when I first heard it, I, I cried. Because I was like, this is a song that I would have loved to hear it when I was younger. But imagine oh, those yeah. young kids back in the 70s hearing that and, and, you know, how that would affect them. And I'm not going to take away that, you know, this Gaga's born his way did the, maybe the same thing for this community too, or this generation too. But I'm just saying that we have to remember that back in our history there were people who already did this and that were doing this and was being there for us when nobody else was. So you know, going back, if you want to think about our music and our and our history in this sense, check out Carl Bean, check out Sylvester, check out Marilyn, check out. Um, Brenneth, I think is his name. He did some stuff back in the day. Bowie even teased around. Bowie was bisexual, so therefore you can throw him in there. Um, there was just so many different things that we need to go back and kind of really check our history. And by doing that, you will understand why it's important for us to love our music artists who are queer now today. Well, it's also kind of crazy because we were out before. Like, I didn't know this until I started doing my yester queer research because I literally hate history. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. I love queer history, but I had never really known anything about it. So what the only thing I knew about history was from my like really terrible Catholic school um, upbringing. So there is a period of time, um, like I think 80, 90 years ago, where people were actually out. Like artists, uh, musicians, actors, like they were out, they were living their life. It was like, it wasn't even a well-known secret. It was just like a well-known truth. And after 
maybe like six years ago, we started getting pushed back in. But people don't know that. Like, Billie Holiday was like fucking girls in her dressing room before shows with the door wide open. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> they weren't joking around. Like, they were they were full on. Like, Marlon Brando and James Dean were like in a well known BDSM affair where like James Dean would come out of like his dressing room with like cigarette burns on him, like with a big ass smile on his face. Like ooh, none ooh, of oh, this right. was hidden. And we just don't know about it because it's been erased by, well, pretty much all cis straight people. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. That's a lot. <laughs> and it's just, it's just real sad. And Victor, you alluded to it a little bit. Um, as far as going back to see history and learn about that, but who, what are some more queer icons or queer moments that you would like to see? And this is to both of you. You'd like to see get more attention. I mean, there's a few of them. I'd really like to see like, uh, cause all the movies about queer people um, in history, they always, uh, what they call pinkwash them. They remove like all the really queer tones. They make lovers best friends that they live with. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, like as I was, I would really like to see like a real Billy Holiday movie, like a good one, like where like a uh, what do they call them? like a biopic. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see one of James Dean and Marlon Brando. Is is Brando still alive? Uh, I think no. he is. Okay, we're going to have to wait. <laughs> just just a bit. Um, and there's one who is my fave. Uh, I can never say her name because it's French. French. It's uh, Julie Daubigny. Um, and she was a queer swordswoman who would fight men for a chance to um, take their girlfriends or their wives out. Mm-hmm. Ooh. She would sword fight them she would win <laughs> and then she'd take the women out they'd have a good time they get tipsy probably make out maybe hook up sometimes they'd run away with her um and she once burned down a nunnery to kidnap her girlfriend back from them after she'd been sent there by her parents which is just like <laughs> that image of like this queer swordswoman and her like damsel in distress in a nun outfit, like walking away from a burning nunnery is just like seared into my head. And I'm like, uh-huh. I need this. Yeah. I need this as a movie or a comic. I just need, I just need the adventures of her because yeah. actual queer icon, actual queen of the gays. Yeah. Right. A real one, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just want to say that Michael uh, Bay do it. Yeah, don't. No. I just want to <laughs> say that Marlon Brando is dead. He died in two thousand four. Oh well, shit! I, I almost said, "Oh, good." <laughs> not what I meant. I'm just always so scared of when I'm talking about people that are alive mm-hmm. on the podcast because I accidentally pissed off an entire group of gay miners, like with an E, like they mine things. Um, I got an angry message from them on Twitter. They're like, we're still alive, you asshole. <laughs> oh, hell. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Because whatever Anthony's talking about, sometimes, like, you know, he tells me the year. I'm not really thinking about it. I'm like, 1970, 1870, what's the difference? And then I get an angry tweet being like, I'm still alive, and you can't talk about me this way. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I would say if I can, if I think we need to focus, I would love to focus on 
like Sylvester. I think Sylvester deserves uh, a, a movie about his life um, and how he came into the disco scene. You know, even a little bit with Donna Summer, only because of the issue that she faced with with gays, but then how she corrected it later in her life. Um, some parts of that, or maybe some the the queer parts of disco, where we talk about you know what how we we basically set disco to where it was um but i still want sylvester to have his own thing um also talk and about i want a queer person to play sylvester yeah. i don't want no yeah great man uh, yeah. no there are no straight people allowed in any of these movies unless yeah. they're playing villains that's my general rule <laughs> yeah um also i would like um some um harlem renaissance there was a lot of talk of of us being out there and being free and you got Langston Hughes and you have all that stuff and I would love to have a story about that, a story about Byron Rustin, about his um, journeys when he worked with, with Dr. Martin Luther King and what happened afterwards when, you know, King had to let him go and what he did uh, afterwards. And I met Byron's hus- husband years ago in LA and I was, you know, inspired by some of the stories he was telling us. Um, also kind of look into um, you know, kind of the black lesbian move, like kind of those things. Again, some of that started with Harlem, but also we saw a little bit with um, um, what's the, oh goodness, the movie that uh Queen Latifah did um about that particular Bessie. yeah Bessie, but kind of go a little bit further into that, um, and I think it would be neat to really to continue the story, um, from the AIDS crisis from a queer people of color perspective because we got yeah. hit. We got hit, and you know, we hear a lot about you know what happened in New York and San Francisco. But I would love to hear from a black side, a Latino side. Uh, I would love to hear that because that would be, I think, a part that we need to understand. We need to understand how we dealt with that as a community, as as families. Um, so I would love to see that. So if we can do some of that stuff, that would be great. I'm into all of that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think that would be so awesome. Well, I do believe that brings us uh, uh, into the show. Uh, Kaylin, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell everybody where they can find your podcast and you on the interwebs? Yeah, um, so pretty much all of my activity is on Twitter. Uh, and I'm Kaylin Conrad, no spaces, C-A-E-L-A-N. And... Yesterqueer, you can find on the website or on um, iTunes, Google Play. I think we're on uh, Spotify now, whatever that is. The kids are using it, apparently, so that's pretty neat. (laughs) (laughs) And like always, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Porter Pizzazz. Victor's at Wonderman5. The podcast is also on Twitter at Pod. You can like, rate, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook, on uh, Instagram. If you have any questions or comments about the show, send them to magazine 6 at gmail.com. Oh, quick story. So this past weekend, uh, there was a I guess a ceremony in Kentucky for the first LGBT historical marker here in Lexington. Um, this was a big, big deal because one of the um, the bars uh, that Lexington has got 
its own marker too. And I think the building itself had been around since 1939, and it's still a gay bar. Still, they have drag shows there. Um, and the other marker was uh, in remembrance of this individual. His name was Jeffrey Watson. So, quick story here. In the 80s, Kentucky was still uh, had a sodomy laws on the books. So, gay men would be entrapped and they would have to plead guilty and get away with like a maybe a year in prison. Basically, it was entrapment of gay men. And there was a, a guy that got arrested, said that he wasn't going to plead guilty to this law. And he went through the courts, went through the Supreme Court, and actually in 92, that sodomy law got nullified. So there was a a big this was a big a huge deal especially in kentucky because kentucky has been predominantly republican predominantly anti-gay basically white yeah <laughs> so this uh he got a like i said a historical marker um near the uh near the club and it was just a huge to see a queer contingency in kentucky because it seems like sometimes we get um, drowned out with like LA or Chicago or New York. There's still a big queer community in these southern states. So it was very emotional to be in that kind of uh, that setting, and it was it was an honor to be there. Yeah. Honestly, that sounds amazing to see. Yeah. It was it was very... I didn't think how that many people would turn out to something like that. Yeah. But that was nice. Uh, that was nice and also nice to read about it. And I, there was a few clips on YouTube um, that people want to check out and watch. Maybe we'll post that up too um, so y'all can look at it. But um, I, I, w- I used to live in Kentucky too. And, you know, just little things like that proves that... One, we're we're there. We in those flyover states. You know, we get ignored because of the fact of the whole Trump stuff right now. But we're there fighting the war every day. Well, they're there. I, you know, I've, I'm no longer there. But for my friends and family who are there, they're still there. And so, you know, my hat always goes off to them because they're in the thick of it. I live in the bubble where we're, we can literally have sex on the street and that's okay. But, yeah, <laughs> you know. It is West Hollywood. So. Yeah, and and trust me, they if there's an alley, somebody's in it. So I'm just saying right. that. So you know, to to see that happen in Kentucky is a great thing. It's very good. It's very fun. Um, and I want to shout out. I want to shout out Kayla. Um, for what she's doing this month, she's doing a lot of great queer things, especially for queer people of color. And this past weekend, we got to do Paris is Burning. We did a live tweet, and that was really fun. Um, she has more events coming up, like um, discussion about dating and um, more things to come. So if y'all follow Kay- Kayla Marie, um, please do so, because she has a lot of great events coming up this month. Yes. Um, I think that's about all. That's about all. 
All right. Get up on out of here. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm hungry. I got a vote. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see y'all later. I got to get Nunez out of this office. So <laughs> we'll see y'all next week. <laughs>